We spent our morning in the middle of a snowstorm, and while it wasn't too bad this morning, there were a lot of closures. And it looks like as the day goes on, it's going to get worse. But the snow clearing situation had a lot of people upset, so we spoke to the city of Winnipeg about why plows didn't go out until after seven. We also had our monthly visit with Mayor Scott Gillingham, in which we asked him about snow clearing as well. The Super Mario Brothers movie is out today, so we talked to PNP Games about the legacy of Mario and his impact on video games overall. And since we got this snowstorm on the anniversary of the blizzard of 1997, we asked you to tell us about times you got stuck in the snow. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside. Ren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who was off today. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, April 5th podcast for The Start. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off today and tomorrow. And on the anniversary of the 1997 blizzard, we find ourselves once again, Loren, under a fresh blanket of snow. Hopefully we're not saying again, here we go again. Because yes, the snow has come. Uh, It's falling as we speak. I'm looking at some of the traffic cameras around the Highway 75 area and in around number one on 59. And there's snow all over the highways, uh, blowing at some points. Doesn't look too terrible yet, but it feels like it's terrible out there. I know your drive-in just from the village wasn't amazing, Brett. And so there'll be lots to get to this morning. And of course, we will be watching just how much snow falls. Not just because it's the anniversary, 26th anniversary of that blizzard that really changed so much for so many Manitobans with the lead up to the flood of the century, but just because flood is always top of mind. So we'll have lots to get to today. And man, I woke up this morning, I looked outside and I thought, okay, that's bad. Not too bad. And then you texted back. Basically, I think it was was like like a snow slap to my face. Are you kidding me? (laughs) This cab right now is no good. (laughs) Yeah, I was actually surprised at what I saw on the way in because so when I order my cab on on, on the app, Usually it'll it'll you know it'll say accepted that someone's picked up the fare and then it will zoom out and show me on the map where this taxi is and it usually it's three minutes four minutes sometimes it's like six minutes depending on where they are and this one said one minute it was like on Osborne so I ran downstairs as quickly as I could and I was surprised that the taxi wasn't yet at the door and then I saw some lights just pointing kind of my way, sort of just near the ramp, because there's a slight ramp you have to drive up to get onto my parking lot and then up to the door. So I thought, I think I think you might be stuck at the bottom of this thing. So I called him and said, are, are you stuck? Do you just need me to come down? So he said, yeah. Um, I didn't ask him if he, he didn't have winter tires on the vehicle, so I don't know if the tires had already been swapped out or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so he couldn't get up the ramp, and then all of the roads were a mess. The, it looks like some of the main drags have been sanded, but uh, I didn't see any plow activity, so I don't know what time they got the call to, to head out. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a messy drive this morning, so be careful. And I think it just is going to depend on like kind of where you are and where the wind's facing. Because when I first texted you, it's because I had looked out the back window 
And then when you mentioned that it's a mess out there, I walked, just walked five, five feet to the front window and I was like, oh, totally different view out this side. <laughs> and it was crazy windy and there's so much more snow. And as an indication of what we're in for today, we don't often get school cancellations right at six. But as we started talking this morning, uh, Seine River School Division, classes canceled, no in-person learning for students. That's just in. And Prairie Rose School Division, all schools in the Prairie Rose rolled school division are closed today so those two came in right at the same time this morning and i expect we'll likely see more as we anticipate what will be a, a dicey day for many bread yeah i've got uh, borderland school division closed today as well and hanover school division all schools mm-hmm. are closed there so we're just going to keep our eyes on that and get that updated at cjob Dot com. And then on the subject of the anniversary at 645, we're going to tie that in, the Blizzard anniversary, we're going to tie it into our giveaway for tickets to see Monday Night Raw. And we'll get more from Environment Canada in our next segment. But on the, sub- the fact that we are now dealing with yet another significant winter event, tonight, a very significant event at Canada Life Centre as the Winnipeg Jets, they are fighting for their lives. Yeah, so this, I mean, I, I think it's an understatement to say that this will be a playoff-like game. This is a playoff for the playoffs, right? We've got two teams in. They've played the exact same number of games. They sit fighting for the last wild card spot. Calgary Flames versus Winnipeg Jets. It's always a rivalry anyway, but now so much is on the line tonight. So the intensity uh, of this game this evening, if they can all get to the rink, I'm assuming Calgary is already here. Uh, usually they come in the night before so they can practice in the morning, but that might be something to consider. But, but for the fans getting to that rink tonight, for players, uh, who had know so much is on the line, man, that is going to be a good one to watch. And maybe that's why Greg took today off and tomorrow. Like, he's already sick to his stomach with the anticipation of it all. <laughs> I know he's going to the game uh, tonight. So. As he should, yes. Yeah, but with, with Greg absent, that means for our weekly Wednesday uh, Jets chat at 8.35, Ken Weeb's going to join us. Uh, you know your hockey, but uh, from when it comes to me, you'll get hard-hitting questions like, so... Why don't they use those uh, laser beam pucks like they used to have on Fox back in the 90s anymore? <laughs> Why don't they? It might be helpful today with all the snow falling to see things more clearly. You know, Maybe that's the way to sell it. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know my hockey. I like my hockey, and I will be watching tonight because this is a big game, but it's also a really significant evening. Of course, it's Pride Night at Canada Life Centre, and they're doing all sorts of really cool things, and you'll hear more in sports with uh at 625 but you know the players are really going all in on this it's been a controversial day uh, that's been honored and not honored by some teams in this league so i'm looking forward to seeing what the jets will do tonight and just fingers crossed i don't think i'll say it just fingers are crossed now let's talk Snow and winter with Rose Carlson, meteorologist with Environment Canada, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Rose, good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us. So this uh, situa- this event, it was expected to go all day. Is that still what we're projecting? Uh, yeah, we're still expecting uh, heavy snow throughout the morning and into the early afternoon. And then it'll have a little bit more of kind of a light, lighter snow tapering off through the evening and the uh, overnight hours as uh, this system pulls off to the east. 
I, I, it's too early, I'm guessing, for snowfall totals for what you might have seen overnight, Rose. Uh, but it's the wind that's likely going to be the factor, no matter how much comes. Uh, yeah. So we did get uh, we've had six centimeters at the airport so far, um, and then we did get a preliminary report uh, south of Steinbeck of 15 centimeters. Uh, but uh, for the through today, we're going to get a few more accumulation in the uh, Red River Valley, but. Uh, uh, we're going to have the winds intensifying throughout the day, and that's going to be more of a concern for uh, for us for the rest of the day as uh, the winds pick up and the the fresh snow, still falling snow, it's going to be a pretty big reduction of visibility through the area. Yeah, it's currently uh, north-northeast, 26 gusting, 36 kilometers an hour measured at the airport. So when do we expect that wind to start picking up? It's going to pretty much be a slow ramp up throughout the morning. It's going to be pretty steady. It's not going to be a, like a, a hard jump up. It's going to be kind of a, 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 pretty, a pretty even uh, increase of the winds. Of course, people always looking for good news. We have that sun in the forecast uh, at the end of the week, Sunday, Rose. And, and when it comes to just the storm itself, we should see things die down within the next, you know, by tomorrow morning? Or what more can you give us there? Uh, so we do have a, a system of high pressure building in uh, through tomorrow. So uh, as the system pulls out, it'll, uh, it should be clearing up fairly quickly throughout tomorrow. Can we say with any confidence that this is it for winter situations, for winter events? Oh, you know, well, you can't ever say for sure, but uh, I do. We do feel that this is a pretty good uh, uh, signal for a pattern change. Pattern change that means warm, yes? Yeah. <laughs> Just succinct and yes, yes. That's all. Are we still on track for those really double-digit temperatures into Monday, Rose? Uh, so we are looking at that. Um, sometimes when you get kind of far into the long range and you have a, a significant event like this uh, that's maybe a little bit more outside the, the normal realm of possibility, you can get some numbers in the long range that are not maybe representative of what's actually going to happen. Uh, we are expecting a warm-up. Um, it may not be quite up to the uh, the 14, 15 that's in the forecast, but we are certainly expecting it to be warmer than uh, it has been. Rose Carlson, meteorologist with Environment Canada. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Have a good one. Inspired by the fact that it's snowing and people are going to get stuck in the snow, my cab couldn't even get up the ramp into my parking lot today. We want a story from you specifically on a time you got stuck in the snow. doesn't have to be tied to the 1997 blizzard, but I'm sure you've got a story tied to that. But yeah, specifically about getting stuck in the snow. And it doesn't have to be in a vehicle. Like maybe you were out and about frolicking in the snow and then had to get yourself out of a tough spot uh, because you found yourself in deeper snow than you anticipated. Let's go around the horn here. Skylar Peters sitting this one out. He's busy on the news desk, but Cameron Poitras is here. Hey, Cam, welcome back. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I was in living in Calgary and I was going out to see my buddy in Drumheller. He was kind of like, I, I, called, I called it my cottage. He, he worked at the radio station there in Drumheller, so I would go and visit him. And uh, for some reason, I decided I was going to take this weird range road. And I was thinking, wow, because I thought I made a wrong turn. I ultimately didn't, but I was like going back and forth thinking like, oh, I made a wrong turn because it was kind of blizzardy conditions. And anyway, so I went down this range road and I stopped and I decided, you know what? I probably shouldn't keep going. And then I made uh, a horrible decision, and, and I and I kept going anyways. And about mm, maybe fifty feet from that spot where I had stopped and said I better stop, I got stuck, and 
So I, it was a quick call to my buddy and saying, like, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in this range road. So I did probably hike, probably was about a kilometer and a half uh, to the sort of the main highway. And then my buddy came in and picked me up. And then that set off a whole weekend of me having to get a tow truck out there and getting this thing uh, out of the snow. So it was a pain in the butt. <laughs> It was awful. <laughs> Isn't it just, just lousy how, like, it takes no time at all. You, you, you had the chance to make the decision yep. to stop. Yep. Mm-hmm. You kept going, and then immediately you're hosed for whoever knows how long. Yeah, it was a, it was a complete weekend because I had to call the tow truck, and I was miserable the whole weekend. So it's like, like I was just not a unpleasant person to be around because I knew that oh, this is going to cost me a lot of money and getting the thing out and all this other stuff. And it was a rental vehicle, too. It wasn't even my car. <laughs> so I was worried about, like, what that was going to add up to. And uh, I ended up, like, I, I, well, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I didn't. I got away with it, I think. But uh, Yeah? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Loren? You must have some stories from, you know, growing up in Minnedosa. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, there's numbers of times like, you know, because we grew up on the farm. So my dad would often on days like this where it was supposed to be a school closure because the buses weren't running. He was the dad that would get the tractor out with a plow and clear out the lane so that we could get to school. And he would be booed mercilessly by us because you don't want that to happen. But it, what what strikes me about this kind of weather is that this is when you think, OK, be careful, you're going to get stuck. And I'm thinking of the times actually when I lived uh, downtown Winnipeg or sort of Corridon Village where I'd get stuck coming down the street on Jesse Avenue in Cordon in about like a quarter inch of snow would feel like, you know, where you feel like a fool where your car's not moving because mm-hmm. you come to the stop and then people behind you start honking and your car just zzzz, and you need people to come push you down a plowed street because for some reason you get hung up on the snow. I don't know if that's just me or the crappy cars I drive or the fact that there was no ice tires really back then, but yep. the number of times I've been stuck in very little snow compared to that deep stuff is, uh, I don't know, it's got to be, I can, both hands can count them on. Yeah. Oh, that used to happen to me all the time when I, before I got the, even with, even with the winter tires, but before that uh, it would happen all the time. And I learned that if you have a vehicle that has traction control, if mm-hmm. you can disable it, then that helps. Because I remember I was stuck in, uh, there was a, I can't remember like this maybe 10 years ago, but there was this weird snow coming down like it was really coarse and sandy i don't know and i and i got stuck and hung up in it and then i remembered oh yeah someone recently said turn off the traction control i turned it off and bam away i went so it's not the be all end all but it it might help you get just get a bit more to get out well it's almost like you become the stalled car you know you were cursing the stalled cars in winnipeg and now it's like cursing the person whose vehicle can't make it through a couple quarter inches of snow and on the opposite end i just want to throw skiing just last week in Mississippi. Um, we got stuck at the bottom of a chairlift that just stopped running. It just wasn't working and it was malfunctioning. It was a really cold day. Mm-hmm. And then we had to trudge up a hill and then down a lane with our skis and ski boots. Like if you've ever been in ski boots before, I don't know who skied, but just walking like five feet in those things is annoying, let alone like a half kilometer up and down a hill. And so I've had a lot of ski adventures where we get stuck in the snow. And I don't know if that is something anyone else can relate to. I can sort of relate to that. I uh, was trying to, to go up the... Was it like the, the the T-bar rope or whatever they call it? And it wasn't yeah. a lift, and I couldn't figure it out, so I just tried to hoof it up the hill. It was a miserable experience. Forte, what about you? Uh, it was a few years ago. My buddy was, this background was living at my parents' place. My buddy lived just around the corner, and he was hanging out one night, and we just got this big, big dump of snow. And uh, he's leaving for the night, and I'm like, dude, just 
walk home because it's like your car is probably going to get stuck. And he's going, no, no, no. You know what? I'm not going to get stuck. It's right around the corner. He's like, I'm in my shoes. I'm, you know, I'm not going to walk. I'm just going to have wet feet by the time I get home. And I was like, all right. So I go back inside. Like one minute later, he calls me. He's like, hey, I'm stuck. <laughs> like he literally lived right around the corner. So now there's me and him both in our shoes, trying to shovel him out, pushing the car. His feet are soaked. My feet are soaked. It was very unpleasant. We finally got him unstuck, but it's like, dude, just walk home. It's right there. You could have just left your car overnight, <laughs> waited for the plows, but no, you know, we're guys. We get stubborn, so. Yeah. I, and if, if my car's stuck or something like that, like that's that's all I think about is the fact that I have to get the car unstuck. doesn't matter even if it's in the driveway. It's like, it's, it's like <laughs> sticks with me. So my car's stuck in the driveway. What, what am I? I got to. I got to get it done now. I don't think that. I just. Oh think God, I do. It. It's okay. a guy thing. That's that's the thing. Like we're stubborn. Like no, no, no. Like I got to get my car out. I don't care if I'm going to a point A to point B, which is super, super close. I could be going nowhere for six days, and if my car's <laughs> stuck, I have to get it unstuck. Okay, here's the question: Do you actually have your car equipped with the right stuff to help get it out? You know, like sand or a little shovel. Well, I have a shovel, yeah. Or a rope. Do you in nope. your car? Nope. See, like, so you here you are obsessed with getting your car out, but you're ill prepared to get it out. That's a, that actually is a that that I can't believe this. I'm just realizing this now, but this shows how little I drive in the winter. I have a shovel that I usually put in the trunk for winter, just in case. Mm. But uh, I haven't. I guess I haven't been in my car in any of these snow situations. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the, the, well, bat- the battery in my car is just dead right now. So <laughs> and it's not going anywhere. See, what is the matter with all of us? I actually just got stuck last winter near a rink near Lorette. Did a U-turn because I missed the turn and got stuck in a very little snow. Hung up in my little car and flagged down five different people. And it took I think five or six cars and a phone call to the rink to get a friend to come to actually find somebody who was able to help me. I couldn't help myself. I didn't have the right stuff, and nor did anybody else that I was asking. No shovels, no sand, nothing. I was, we've been lamenting this and talking about how we were done with winter just dragging on. Well, not only is it dragging on, but it came back to smack us in the face this morning, Loren. Yeah, and if you've done any spring cleaning or prepping for spring, you're going to have to do it all over again. We've got a mess on the roads outside the city. No closures on any of our major highways just yet. And it's a mess depending on where you are inside city limits. And so for more on snow clearing efforts, we're joined by Ken Allen, City of Winnipeg. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Loren and Brett. Some of our listeners, Ken, are saying they haven't seen any plows out yet this morning. So when do they start? Well, you know, overnight we had been uh, salting our main routes and bus routes and collector streets to get uh, those streets ready for the morning rush hour period. And we're actually starting a major truck plowing operation citywide on our main routes and bus routes and collector streets at 7 a.m., So uh, I was just across the street here on Pacific Avenue and the equipment is staging there for the plow. And uh, right away, you're going to see hundreds of uh, pieces of equipment on city streets, uh, including our truck plows and uh, our front end loaders. And crews are going to work to get things cleaned up as quick as they can today. It was already a pretty significant mess on my way in this morning at around 4.30. And uh, often when that is the case, the, the plows are already out. So just wondering why why did uh, did you wait to 7 a.m. to make the call or to send them out? 
Well, you know, the, the like I said, the crews that were salting all night. So uh, I, I drove in this morning as well. And this, for sure, the streets are snow-packed and, and uh, slippery. So motorists need to use caution this morning and drive to winter conditions. But as soon as that traffic starts going on those main routes uh, this morning, uh, that salt is going to activate and you're going to see a significant melting in a hurry. And uh, you're going to see a big improvement on those streets. And that's going to be followed up by our truck plows and more salt. And uh, that's going to happen throughout the day. And you're going to see a big improvement in the coming uh, hours today. So it sounds like you're saying that's a bit of strategy, Ken, the salt first and then the plows while the cynic and one of our listeners just texted to say, no, it's about managing resources and money. Is there a bit of both there? Well, you, you know, it's, this, this is uh, the, the snow event right now. It's not over. Right. There's snow forecasted for throughout the day. So, it, of course, it's a strategy. We've been anticipating this uh, snow coming at us, uh, you know, for a number of days now. And uh, we have warm temperatures. It's a perfect time to use the salt on city streets and uh, you use that material to create some melting action. And uh, we're going to keep those truck plows going throughout the day as the snow continues to fall. And uh, we're just going to have to, you know, we're going to be monitoring things and making further decisions about what plowing is required as the snow continues and uh, as we're able to observe what's happening on city streets. Ken Allen from the City of Winnipeg, thank you very much for joining us to provide us with this update. We appreciate it, sir. Yeah, anytime. Thanks a lot. And now let's head out to check in with Global News Morning's Clay Young. He's out on the streets of Winnipeg. Clay, where are you this morning? Well, it's... uh... I, myself, uh, for Global News, I was just talking, I just had Ken Allen on the air, so we're we're still at the city yards on Pacific Avenue. I can attest to what Ken is saying. There's just like an army of trucks and snow plows and graders, and they're all heading out now. It's uh, quite a sight to see. Uh, I've been listening to uh, what you've been talking about with Ken. Is this, you know, to save money? that they'd be going out at 7. Well, uh, coming up a bit later, I've got Jeff Brawati coming on. Uh, he's in charge of the city's finance committee. I'll ask him that same question. But, you know, uh, Mr. McGarry, I was like you. I was coming into work, uh, coming down Portage, and it, the, the, the roads, you know, they were, they were passable, drivable, but they were still kind of clogged. And, and if you're coming up to an intersection, if you're just heading out this morning, you know, Slow down, tap on those brakes, otherwise you'll find yourself skidding right into the intersection. It is quite slippery uh, out here. And, uh, yeah, uh, April doesn't mean spring if you've lived here long (laughs) enough. Somebody pointed out to me April the 5th, which is today, April the 5th, 1997, Winnipeg got hit with a blizzard. We got about 48 centimeters of snow, and that caused the flood of the century. So, I mean, April doesn't mean much anymore. It, it, it's still very much winter out here. Just a couple seconds here, Clay. We're talking about, you know, all these school closures, not just because of the roads, but the winds are supposed to pick up. So what is the wind and, and snow actually doing right now to where you are? The wind isn't all that bad. Uh, I usually wear a global toque in this kind of conditions, but I, I threw my balaclava on because uh, it protects my face from, from the wind. The wind isn't that bad right now, uh, but don't be surprised if it picks up considerably as the day goes on. Clay Young joining us live on 680 CJOB from Global News Morning. Clay, thank you very much. You bet, anytime.
The chief of police has called for an urgent meeting with Canada's premiers in order to talk crime. We are going to speak with Chief Danny Smythe after nine o'clock. Right now, we want to hear more from the city's top boss on a number of issues. And we're joined for our monthly chat with Mayor Scott Gillingham. Good morning. Good morning, Loren. Good morning, Brett. So, Mr. Mayor, this call from the chief comes just as we learned the news that yet another body had been found in one of Winnipeg's landfills. And, and police aren't calling it a homicide yet. They're only saying it's suspicious at this moment. But the discovery of Linda Mary Beardy, a, a 33-year-old Indigenous woman, a mom, I mean, it's not just deeply disturbing. It's concerning that here we are again, and I hate even saying again. And you've talked about the fact we can't become numb to this kind of information. What's your concern when saying that? Because we've been down this road so many times before. Well, th- that is my concern, is is that, you know, this has happened far too many times where we've got an Indigenous woman who has been, um, you know, whose life has been taken. And I know that we're, you know, the police are still haven't determined this a homicide yet. They're, this is a, a suspicious death. They're doing their work. But, you know, I, I first of all want to express my condolences to the family of Linda Beardy to the broader Indigenous community, but uh, but no, we, we can never become uh, numb or or, uh, or accustomed to 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 this sort of news, and we could just never, you know, um, say this is the way it is. We have to continue to fight against this and do everything in our power to protect uh, all people uh, right now, especially Indigenous women and girls. So what do we do with this this latest news, Mr. Mayor? Because we've had the discovery of, of the woman last year, the serial killer. This isn't connected, but it's a landfill-related concern. It's an Indigenous women concern. It's a crime and safety feeling of just not being able to be safe on your streets concern. What kind of conversations are you having on, on where we go next? Several conversations, including uh, working with the Indigenous leaders. I had a conversation uh, again uh, yesterday with Grand Chief Kathy Merrick, offered my support. The city of Winnipeg is is working with and supporting uh, the Grand Chief and and the uh, the Indigenous leaders who are right now looking at um, the feasibility of a, of a landfill search. Um, you know, we've also, as at the city of Winnipeg, we continue to pursue the the calls for justice from the National Inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. And um, you mentioned a couple times this morning about uh, the. Canadian Association of Chiefs of Police and their call for uh, for bail reform uh, so that violent offenders, um, are, uh, repeat offenders, are not out, out on our streets on bail or breaching court orders. And, um, you know, that that's something I'm very concerned about as well. We have to get the violent crime rate down in the city. Mayor Scott Gillingham joining us for our monthly visit. And regarding that uh, urgent meeting with premiers that's being called for by uh, the chief of police, would you like to be at that table? Um, I don't. I don't need to be at that table. I keep a regular conversation with uh, with the premier and and with the chief of police as well. I know that um, just after I got elected, uh, the, the premier and I um, were together at an announcement uh, for funding for a warrant unit to to reestablish a warrant unit uh, between the city of Winnipeg and RCMP and other uh, police partners that uh, goes after individuals who are breaching their court orders. And so. I think, uh, you know, I, I share the same view as the Premier and the Chief of Police on this, that we have to make our streets safer. So those are the issues that are need, needing to be dealt with at the federal level. At the provincial level, there might be other conversations the Chief can have. And again, we're going to speak to him after nine. But later today, there's also an announcement with the Justice Minister and the Police Board Chair, one of the City Councillors on Public Safety Training. Can you share any more, Mr. Mayor, on what that might be about? 
Well, we'll wait for I think you know wait for the for, for that announcement. But but uh, I do appreciate that Minister Gertson and I have had uh, Justice Minister have had uh, several conversations. I mean, uh, recently the the province has brought in legislation, uh, introduced legislation that would allow the city of Winnipeg to establish community safety officers, which is kind of a layer of of community safety. Um, the police right now have uh, you know have many many uh, several calls for service. Uh, their call volume is high, is what I'm trying to say, and um, and we just need to make our community safe, and so we can do that with uh, improve the safety with community safety officers and other partners as well. And so, so um, those are our community know, safety. Sorry, I just want to interrupt because you were talking about were those the ones that were going to go on the buses potentially, and are we talking about maybe even more within the community for safety training officers? Thank you for clarifying. Yes, those those initially would start on our transit system. That that's the intention of the community safety officers is to establish that team put them on the transit system right now and around transit stops and then they could be deployed elsewhere as well um uh you know they would have the flexibility on those so i really see you know a community safety um kind of uh, integrated team where you've got uh, police doing their work community safety officers downtown community safety partnership other patrols all working together to make our community safer so the hard turn from crime now to the storm. Top of mind for many today is the storm and snow clearing. Plows are out now, but we heard from many of our listeners saying they should have been out earlier. So we're wondering, like, is this a, a resource issue or a money issue that the the plows were uh, sent out uh, weren't sent out until seven? No, it's not a resource issue. We always uh, not a money issue. We, you know, we always pl- plow to our policy. Um, and so, you know, our, our staff monitors the, the storm and the amount of uh, snow accumulating and, um, and there to plow uh, once it hits a certain, um, you know, amount of snow on, on the streets. And so, um, you know, I think it's important to reiterate today is that we have a policy set in place and um, that's the policy that determines when, when the plows go out. I know, as you say, cruise rail right now and they're on P1 um, streets. And so for those that are commuting uh, to work or, or to school, uh, please just watch for the uh, snow plows today. So we talk about, you know, the roads for sure, but to- for many, the sidewalks and active transportation routes, the clearing of those has been a really big conversation in recent years because we're, we're trying to encourage more people to walk and bike and all the rest, Mr. Mayor. And so when it came to that conversation, there was talk in the fall of bringing in more clearing equipment, but there were some supply chain issues. Did that equipment ever ro- arrive? Do we have the complement we need to keep both our roads and sidewalks cleared? That, that equipment has been ordered, but it hasn't arrived yet. It's not available to be on our sidewalks yet. And you're right, it's supply chain issues. Um, we're always looking at and willing to look at uh, our sidewalk snow clearing policy. Uh, we can consistently review the policy. In fact, there's another report uh, on sidewalk snow clearing coming to Public Works next week, and that will be discussed. And before we let you go, we want to move from our roads to what lies under them, our pipes. Major upgrades are underway to the city's largest sewage treatment plant. Phase one is nearing completion, but the latest financial reports are showing the costs are rising, quote, by hundreds of millions of dollars for phase two. Do we have the cash for this? Well, you know, this is this is a project that will be done over time, uh, over many, many years, and um these these are are paid in part by uh, people's uh, sewer rates or water rates, uh, but also this project is uh, cost shared with federal and provincial governments, 
And so I've already spoken to the federal government and provincial government, uh, just indicating that this project uh, and the cost inflation of this project is going to require assistance from other levels of government. And uh, so those conversations are ongoing. All right, Mayor Scott Gillingham, we thank you for your time and your discussion on a number of topics today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Loren, what does Bonnie have for us? Oh, I hear Bonnie's story. Bonnie says, grew up in the country, did a lot of highway driving. One time I was passing a truck that was going slower, was closer to the turn off than I thought, so I swerved into the ditch and got stuck, only to have the same truck I had just passed stop and pull me out. <laughs> Talk about embarrassed. Plus, it was a dad of a fellow high school student. He was gracious, had a smirk, but made no comments. He knew I didn't need any more reprimand than what was happening I still blush, Bonnie says. Bonnie, I hear you. I can think of at least three different dads right now who caught me not necessarily driving as I should. And they actually immediately phoned my dad to let them know. <laughs> like before I even got home, I was in trouble. You're like, oh, yeah, I knew he saw that. All right. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for the call. It's go time for the Winnipeg Jets big time game tonight. Yeah, we got Jets versus the Flames. Ken Weeb from Sportsnet is always a big part of our Jets coverage. And we say good morning to Ken. Good morning, Loren and Brett. I'm going to report from the south end of Winnipeg here that uh, I'm a little skeptical about getting out of my driveway to get downtown <laughs> for the optional morning skate. But uh, we're going we're gonna to hope for the best with the winter tires here. But uh, yeah. hopefully we're both doing well so far. We'll have to, you know, people who are going to that game are going to have to plan accordingly, of course, Ken. And and I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, from the talks with the players and the coaches, will we see sort of that, they talk about it being a playoff atmosphere game tonight, but what do you think you, that'll mean within the locker room and the intensity that we might see on the ice, given what's at stake for this W? Yeah, no doubt, Loren. Uh, I think Rick Bonus kind of said it perfectly or summed it up perfectly, saying that both teams will be taking a game seven mentality, and we know that Coaches and players even they occasionally exaggerate in moments like this, but even though it's not a you know game 82, if you will, or a true win or go home game like a game seven, if the Jets win today, they will put a major damper in the playoff hopes of their opponent, and they will take a massive step towards clinching their own playoff spot. So even though the, the standings say the Flames are two points back, the Jets hold the tiebreaker. So they're essentially three points back, and with the win today, they would be five up with just three games to play for the Flames and four for themselves. So uh, it's you know, one one team will be a little bit more desperate than the other. But uh, if the Jets can bring the urgency they showed on the weekend, they could they could really take a big step towards uh, reaching their end goal here. Well, what kind of a fluke is it that they they've got back to back games against Calgary and Nashville? These are the two teams who are nipping at their heels for that final playoff spot. Yeah, Brett, it's funny. Dylan DeMello did uh, reference the schedule, NHL schedule maker. You know, you can take a bow if you're if you're sitting in that room and it were involved in this decision making process because you know you can never really predict who is going to be in the race for those final spots. And you know, two months ago, the Jets wouldn't have thought that they were in the position of having to you know lock down a playoff spot with five games to go because they had a little bit more uh, leeway or runway, if you will. But yeah, no doubt there's, there's they don't need to worry about the out-of-town scoreboard. If they take care of their own business in the next two games, they'll basically need one win out of those last three games, depending on what their opponents do. But 
uh, they'd really like to keep their good vibes flowing after turning things around uh, with the you know a pair of six goal outbursts against the uh, you know Devils and uh, and their other opponent on Friday where they were able to take advantage of a tired Detroit Red Wings team there. So you're working to wake your, make your way to that morning skate, Ken, but then that's where you might see a bit of some of the strategy that might come into play tonight. But have they talked about the line changes they made recently? Are they going to stick with those? Yeah, I would imagine that the you know most coaches aren't going to make too many changes. The Jets will make one minor uh, addition on the fourth line you know, with Sekum and a line and jumping back in for Carson Kuhlman. But otherwise, the the line changes you referenced with you know, Mark Scheifele going to the wing with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor and Vladislav Domestikov moving back in the middle with Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, those those changes will remain the same. That leaves uh, Nino Niederreiter with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. And for a Jets team that's really struggled to score, I think it was nine goals in seven games uh, to explode for 12 goals and 11 of those coming at, at five on five. That was a big step forward for for them, knowing what's at stake, as we mentioned, and I don't think you can expect a six-goal outburst today, but uh, you can expect uh, two pretty hungry teams. And I would imagine the Jets realize what's at stake here and, and know that if they put forth a pretty good effort against you know, the third opponent that will be playing on a back-to-back with travel, uh, they can really set themselves up nicely here. And before we let you go, Ken, we got to talk about the other significant thing happening tonight, and that's Pride Night. This is a big deal. Yeah, it definitely is. I think it's great that the Jets uh, are showing unity on this front. We know that there's been a lot of controversy around the subject, and Adam Lowry talked about that and also talked about the importance of of being an ally and, and using a platform to to shine a light on this important cause and you know want to make hockey a more welcoming and diverse place. And uh, the best way to do that is by by showing you know, this is an important step in that process for sure. And I think it's a, it's great to see all around and. It will be a moment to be celebrated across this province here. Ken Weeb joining us live from Sportsnet, big part of our coverage team for the Winnipeg Jets. Thank you very much, Ken. My pleasure. Have a great day, both of you, and enjoy the rest of the show. We're asking you about times you got stuck in the snow since this particular snowstorm comes on the anniversary of the 1997 blizzard. And Mike says, back in 1997, this is Mike Iwanko, I delivered flyers and probably was the only person who went out in the blizzard. I got stuck in several driveways on foot. I plowed through and completed my deliveries, sort of. It took two hours for six blocks, usually just 40 minutes. So I apologize to anyone who didn't get their ad bag that day. But that is some (laughs) determination, getting out to deliver those flyers. That is commitment to something that people are, no offense, Mike, I love it. But I guess I flip through it on a slow day when I get flyers. Yeah. And then I toss them usually. Like they're, they're meant to be used as bird litter box t- stuff. If I, I also, had a bird. I use them as emergency wrapping paper as well for yeah. gifts too. Sure. For comical purposes more than anything. But Well, you're not wasting it then. Yeah. Don, what does he say? Don says it wasn't me that got stuck, but I did have to deal with it. In 1978, Mom and Dad came home from a retirement party. Mom missed the driveway. There was a 10-foot-wide strip between our driveway and the neighbors, and she turned into it. When the truck, which was a newer Ford 150, came to a stop, Mom did what she always did, lives up to her nickname of Leadfoot Annie, and just floored it. The 350-cubic-inch engine opened all four barrels on the carburetor, which sprayed snow clear across the street. And buried the back end of the truck up to the axles. No points for guessing who was elected to get the beast, as we called it, unstuck. 
Me and five friends worked almost all day digging that beep, 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 beep truck out oh, of the snowbank. Wow. Oh, boy. Again, a quick decision leads to hours of work. 204-780-6868 for a chance to win Monday Night Raw tickets. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. And our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. When you know a snowstorm is coming, do you make plans ahead of time to adjust your work schedule? So cast your vote on that at cjob.com. Or, and you can weigh in at 204-780-6868 as you have been en masse regarding this morning's snow clearing situation, Loren. Yeah, and a lot of people are weighing in on what what appears to be the standard policy of the city of Winnipeg, that once the snow reaches a certain level, so it hits several centimeters, and they they either salt and or plow, and they might do both. And at 7 o'clock, we learned that the strategy this morning was for them to salt first, you know, 4 or 5 a.m. salting, and then the plows didn't go out until 7. And one of our listeners texted to say, 7 a.m., what? Is that for the prima donnas who get to work for 9? Like, a lot of people are at work at 7 and 8 o'clock and expect the snow to be cleared first. On the opposite end, there might be those that just think this is about money and resources and maybe for good reason. We're talking about that warm-up coming, Brett, there are also going to be people who watch the plows go out and do all this clearing over the next couple of days and say, ah, the snow's going to melt by Sunday anyway. Let's not waste the time and money. What say you? Not just the storm going on, but right now one of the big things we've been talking about the last couple of days is how Manitoba's premier says she's just waiting to hear back from other provincial leaders on a possible meeting with Canada's police chiefs on crime. But it sounds like that meeting will happen. It's just a matter of when. So as we've been sharing for the past couple of days, the head of the Canadian Association of Chiefs is the one who put the ask out for that urgent meeting. And we're joined now by its president, Chief Danny Smythe, of course, uh, also the head of Winnipeg Police Service. Good morning, Chief Smythe. Good morning. Why is this call coming now? Well, I think uh, you know it's been a accumulation of things that have occurred throughout the country. Uh, certainly, the the eighth death that we've experienced in our ranks across the country is 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 put a bit of an exclamation point on that for sure. So there will be some out there, Chief Smythe, and, and you know we've had listeners weighing in on this, and they're a bit cynical, and, and that's not to put anything down on, on the deaths of officers. It's tragic, and it's one is too many. But, you know, one actually texted to say, where was this concern on crime, say, last summer? They actually specifically pointed back to comments you made following a vicious candidate stabbing where you said incidents like that, while alarming, quote, aren't new. Should we have seen this call for a, a meeting, a summit of sorts, months ago? Well, you know, it's funny you bring the, the forks back into that, and, and, and I do think my comments were misconstrued there. We always took that seriously. We solved that crime. Um, you know, the media plays a role in how crime is perceived as well, and, uh, you know, that contributes to part of, part of the issue in the environment that we find ourselves in. I think it is timely to meet with the Premier some of the issues that we're dealing with, are really about things like bail reform, the lack of accountability in our systems in general right now, guns, mental health addictions, all of these things are contributing to and exacerbating the environment we find ourselves in. And yet I find the police at the receiving end of a lot of criticism by many in the community and in the media, frankly. So I, I think it's a timely, uh, it's timely to sit down with, with the premiers 
policing is a provincial jurisdiction, so I think it's an appropriate it's an appropriate step. So I, I just want to be clear that that reference to that Canada Day quote came from a listener. I'm not putting words into anyone's mouth. And so that was just hearkening back to the fact that we saw that spike in crime last summer. And of course, you yourself and your association has talked about the spike in violent crime in recent months. It's up you know, significantly 2022 over 2021. And so the, the call for action in some people's mind could have come a while ago. But in the meantime, here we are, the call has been made. Um, whether I say it, the media says it, or the public says it or not, people are concerned about crime. So what would be the outcome of a meeting like this? What could specifically come out of it? Well, I think support in general will go a long way to helping our, our frontline members who are often sitting watching different governments debate defunding and and uh, budget things that call for cutting of police resources as opposed to having us part of the strategy. That will go a long way. Any influence they can have on things like bail reform and some of the other legislative things that I think will go a long way to uh, addressing some of the concerns. Uh, and then we know even in the in the eight deaths that we've experienced in September, Six of those deaths were to do with with uh, with guns, and, and and the other likely to do with mental health. So, um, you know, we we think those things need to be addressed, and I think we need to be part of that conversation. You mentioned bail reform; it's one of the big issues. In your letter to premiers, you said, "quote Over the last four years, we can track distinct spikes in the numbers of people released on bail and incidences of violent offenses committed by those on bail." So, do you have those numbers? So, I think right now most of the major cities across the country are, are trying to track as much of that as we can. It's 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 not as easy to pull as as it might sound. Uh, you know, just uh, looking back to the death of the OPP officer in, in December, you know, that, that's been pretty well covered. That was a person that was on, on bail not once but twice. Uh, and, and we have lots of examples like that where, you know, the, the right to be on bail, which we all understand, um, it needs to be measured against that kind of repeat violent offender. And, and we seem to be encountering those repeat offenders more and more. And, it, and it's, it's quite frustrating for a lot of our frontline members. But at this point, there's no, you know, um, will, we, will we know whether or not chiefs might say, for example, the number of people who are out on bail committing crimes is up X percentage over previous years? Because as we push to make that point for change, how do we find the data to, to force the hand of those who would be in charge of making those changes? Well, you know, that'll be a, an exercise in and of itself. I think, uh, you know, our, our in, intent here is to pull as much data to support our position as we can. We, we've asked for a meeting. We haven't actually had the meeting yet. Uh, you know, I, I want to acknowledge the premiers came together in support of, of bail reform, uh, supports of that. So, you know, that's just one aspect of of what we're encountering in the community. But we will certainly do our best to pull that kind of data. Uh, the, the reason it's difficult is police services across the country are all on different record management systems. So it's just trying to find a consistent way to be able to pull that kind of information. 
So with that, I just wanted to ask, because you're talking about meeting with the premiers, because of course they, you know, talk about the money that gets handed down to police services. But the bail reform question is, is one that would be decided at the federal level. Like, do you get any sense that anyone in Ottawa is listening to that? Should there not also be a meeting with the federal justice minister, Chief Smythe? Well, we certainly have had meetings with the public safety minister and, and Minister Lumetti and uh, you know, we understand that they are concerned and that they're working on it. Uh, I think uh, that, you know, because policing is provincial jurisdiction, uh, I, I think it warrants, you know, influence from, from the provincial side of the house as well. You know, we've talked about in the past about resources and, and you yourself and other leaders have said we can't just police our way out of this. Do you still stand by that type of statement? Well, I do. This isn't something that the police can do alone. Um, you know, but there's a lot of good initiatives out there where we're partnering with other agencies. You know, even here locally, you know, we've we've moved beyond a pilot where we're out in the field with clinicians to try to deal with people that are in crisis in a way that diverts them from the criminal justice system where that's appropriate. Restorative justice is another thing that that we're committed to. And again, where appropriate, it it is meant to divert people away from the justice system. Having said that, there are a lot of people that shouldn't be out in the community that have demonstrated over and over again that they can't comply with with the rules uh, and, and shouldn't be in circulation. So that's where bail reform comes in and those decisions by the courts to whether hold somebody or or allow them into the community. You know, at our text line right now, 780-6868, one of the things listeners are weighing on is just the tone that gets set, you know, and we've heard several times from community leaders about the deep concern with this, the rampant crime in certain communities and how it's sort of now touching all corners of Winnipeg. A listener weighing in just now about how it's rural Manitoba as well being a big problem. And so when, it, when we when we harken back to comments that may have been made a few months ago, Chief Smythe, I, w- I want to talk about the idea that the tone might matter to people. And so now we're using the term urgent need for meeting or urgent meeting and that perhaps we need to sharpen our tone so people sit up and pay attention. What do you say to that? Well, I guess it depends on the context or the crowd that you're running with. If, if you want to sit through a police board meeting sometime, you'll see a very decidedly different tone coming from um, many that arrive there and are very harsh with us. So um, it, it, the community isn't entirely united around the police. Uh, we We do have a role to play here. Our our members are out there every day dealing with this, and, and uh, you know, I, I think they're looking for support here, and, and they're doing a good job. That doesn't take away from the fact that we need to be accountable as well, and we are accountable. And, uh, you know, I, I think our concerns warrant, uh, you know, getting in front of some of the provincial leaders here. Chief Danny Smythe, President of the Canadian Association of Chiefs and the Head of Winnipeg's Police Service. Thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Have a good day. We are asking you about times you got stuck in the snow because of today's snow situation happening on the anniversary of the big blizzard of 1997 that saw 48 centimeters 
of snowfall on the city. And then, of course, that storm contributed to the flood of the century. And uh, too many great stories. We can't even reply to them all. And we barely have time to read a couple here. Uh, But I'll start with Michelle. And then, Loren, you can take the winner. Michelle says, this is actually my mom and dad's story. My parents were married 61 years ago this month. They had a small family wedding and then were off on their honeymoon that same evening. Let me first say my dad always had a bad sense of direction. They were on their way to stay at a hotel in Winnipeg from the Interlake. And there was a horrible snowstorm that started along the way. And somehow they ended up in Ericsdale and they got stuck on the side of the road. So they walked to a nearby farmer's house and the people took them in for the night. Farmer in the morning pulled up my parents' car with his tractor That was it for their honeymoon. Back home they went. They only had enough money for the one night in a hotel in Winnipeg. So that's kind of neat. It sounds like their their little quick little honeymoon might have been more memorable than had they made it to Winnipeg, Loren. Set their marriage off on the right course of resilience, right? And fortitude. And I am curious if anything got down in that farmhouse. <laughs> mm? Mm, it is serious, your honeymoon. Mm? What is Jerry? Jerry's <laughs> our winner. Maybe we should ask Michelle when she was born. Okay, Jerry, I drove highway bus for many, many years. I was picking up Canadian soldiers years ago who were training in the bush in Shiloh. When we picked up the last bunch, I guess I should mention it rained steady for a week. It was time to turn around in a field. Needless to say, I was buried down to the axle. Long story short. The German army, who were also training in Shallow, towed me out with a tank. P.S. I'm a big wrestling fan since the day of Mad Dog and the Crusher. So, Jerry, you are going to see some wrestling. And that, you know what? Since this text came in, both you and I were like, that's what we need in life. A tank just at the side <laughs> of the road to bring us out. No, Forget I'm the kidding. snow plows. Let's just put the army, like, you know. Just pull me out with your tank. Yeah, maybe we can, uh, next time we talk to the mayor, we can ask him if that'll be part of uh, next year's <laughs> snow apparatus. Yeah, if we can't get the sidewalk clearing equipment in. Yeah, let's just have tanks parked. We'll be like Toronto. Let's make fun of Toronto one more time for when they called in the army for snow in the 90s. <laughs> right now, though, we want to just... Move away from the storm for a moment because there is a storm brewing at the movie theater. There's a big one out today. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Bowser is coming. Together, we are going to stop that monster. How? Look at us. We're adorable. Oh, I got this. No problem. <laughs> Ah, hearing Mario's music in that cinematic tone, Loren, it gives me goosebumps. I'm excited for this. It actually makes me think of my favorite joke, which was, what was Mario's favorite piece of clothing? Denim, denim, denim. (laughs) (laughs) Denim, denim, denim. Gets me every time. I know. I've told that story, that joke just the other day and laughed by myself in a room full of people. Okay, so (laughs) that just goes to show you, though, that there's a real legacy here of Super Mario. I mean, we were going back generations of people who played this game. Lee Squarek joins us now from PMP Games in Winnipeg. Good morning, Lee. It's a me. Hello, how are you? <laughs> well done. <laughs> how long has Mario been around? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think, are we going to the 80s or is it before? Absolutely. So he, uh, you know, he's been around for 40 years now. And for the last 10, I've been jumping on the radio to talk about him from time to time. Uh, 1981 was his debut in Donkey Kong, uh, as Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, was unable to secure licensing rights to Popeye the Sailor. 
Really? So that I'm that sure. let that hang. Yeah, Popeye was meant to be uh, the guy doing battle with the gorilla there on the scaffolding, uh, but they they couldn't get the licensing rights, so he basically kind of made Mr. Video, uh, who became Jumpman, who became Mario, uh, based on a landlord that owned a warehouse, and I believe that Nintendo was renting in Seattle or something like that. And the rest is kind of history. He was meant just to be a stand-in character, and now he's going to open maybe one of the biggest box offices of all time. Wow. That's incredible. I had no idea. I then just trying to think of the landscape of video games had they gotten those Popeye rights. So let's just talk about the impact this character has had. Uh, in your estimation or opinion, how big of an impact has Mario had on video games overall? Uh, I mean, he's the man. He's the Michael Jordan of video games. He is the mascot of Nintendo, but he's not like Mickey Mouse, who just, you know, lives in his house in Toontown, taking it easy. Mario still leads some of the best-selling games for Nintendo leading up till now on the Nintendo Switch. He has appeared in every generation. He not only does his bread and butter of platforming action games, of course, he's a kart racer, he does sports, he's a doctor, apparently, uh, but, you know, he chooses that blue-collar work of plumber. Uh, he's a working man, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, extra on weekends, and still showing up in these, these video games regularly. No other video game character or mascot has the longevity of Mario. What's the appeal here? Like, what's the draw of Mario? I know why I still go back to at least play the old games every once in a while, Lee. But what's keeping, like, the next generation from coming back to him? Yeah, so the, the thing with Mario is he, he hit the pivot. When 3D gaming came out on the N64 and Super Mario 64 hit, uh, it was really the question of, does this 2D action hero, can he make the leap? And that is still heralded as one of the better 3D platformers and has only been built on over time. I think what it comes down to is, is the gameplay. I know, a video game, the gameplay. Uh, but it, it feels good. If you go back and play the Super Nintendo Mario games, uh, they feel tight and good in a way that video games don't even necessarily do now. The issue with Mario, and they've done a movie based on Mario before. If you remember 1993's Bob Hoskins, Dennis Hopper, Super Mario Brothers movie, um, which, you know, was met with, uh, let's say, uh, middling reviews, kind of in the same way that critics are reviewing this new Mario movie. Uh, I just checked it on Rotten Tomatoes, though the audience scores are sitting at a 98, so I think they'll be just fine. Uh, but Mario has a very deep lore. The power-ups, the levels, the characters, uh, there's 40 years of this built up. Uh, just an insane amount of character Bible and lore, but the storyline is very simple. Uh, and this is something that they understood with the Sonic the Hedgehog movie and went on, of course, to do crazy numbers with that is let the character do the video game stuff in the movie but take the story kind of in your own direction with surprises and making something up along the way the complaint i'm hearing about this new mario brothers movie uh, is that they just delivered the mario brothers they kept the plot simple they left it for anyone walking in who's played a mario brothers game before or seen the character uh will will know what's going on yeah, it kind of looks like sort of a greatest hits. You've got them jumping through things and punching blocks, and then they're in the Mar the, the the Mario carts, as it were. Which I mean, the animation looks incredible, and I don't know that I. I mean, I'll have to see it myself to to make a judgment. But um, as far as I mean, as you pointed out, this could be. Uh, one of the biggest movies of the year, if not all time. And that's because of the longevity of this character. And I'm just curious to know, like, uh, I'm the same as Loren. I I don't play video games anymore. I, I never even played. I think I played Mario 64, but uh, the, when I did get an N64, it came with Donkey Kong. So the last time I really played Mario was Super Mario Kart. So I'm curious, like, what sort of current Mario games are available these days? 
Sure, you'd be, you'd be surprised to learn that new like the the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Edition on the Switch is one of the best-selling games of all time. This is a holdover from the Wii U that they ported and added a bunch of tracks and characters and stuff to, and it's still uh, one of the best-selling games on the console. We are kind of waiting for the next 3D action Mario game. The last one that released on the Switch was called Super Mario Odyssey, and it was you know a game of the year contender. This guy keeps coming back, and he can't stop hitting home runs out of the park. Uh, they take so much care. Uh, with their mascots and their main characters. And Nintendo has long, uh, you know, they've switched multiple presidents in asking their shareholders to kind of be patient as they kind of figure out and navigate the waters of taking Mario and, and making him available in these other medias. I think if this, this movie is a success, of course, we see a, a trickle effect, waterfall effect of other shows and movies coming out of Nintendo for years to come. But he's just, like, as relevant as Mario may have been in your childhood, He's still in the conversation. Video games have become hyper-realistic. We've got new genres involved. Uh, things have evolved so far in 40 years of this industry. But still, Mario is a constant. He does what he does, and he does it very, very well. Uh, Nintendo doesn't compromise on that. And uh, he's, he's as relevant now as ever. As if you're standing in the arcade in 1981 playing Donkey Kong or, you know, at a restaurant playing the Switch, uh, which you can just take with you and play anywhere, he's, he's still there. He's, he's ever-present. Not if you're yelling at your kids to get off the switch, you can't, Lee. But um, exactly. I, <laughs> just before we let you go, I'm wondering how much of the allure is about the fact that there's, in my mind, whether this is right or wrong, there's just something a bit more wholesome about the game when you compare it to the Fortnites and the Calls of Duty or Call of Duty and you know the concern about violence. You look at yes, he's there's there's flowers that can kill you and shoot pellets at you, and there's Bowser <laughs> and there's dragons, but there's just a little bit more of a oh I'm okay with this because it's got that family appeal to it. Absolutely. So like Shigeru Miyamoto himself, the creator has has gone on to say like, hey, Mario will never hold a gun per se. Sure, if you actually sit and think about the nightmarish realization of the Mushroom Kingdom and like going for a jog means you have to dodge fireballs and, and plants that are trying to eat you. You know, it, it's violent in its own right. But yes, that wholesome appeal of Mario, you get what you get. You, you kind of know what to expect. It's always going to be for everyone, for kids, adults. Uh, and it all comes back to just that action gameplay. It's so tight. It's so good. Uh, that you're just having fun playing it. And honestly, the story takes a backseat to that. And translating something like that into a movie where you're sitting there basically on your hands for, for three hours watching the characters do the cool things without your input is a tough pivot. But you know what? Mario is the, the king of that. And I think he's going to be uh, just fine, just fine. What you got going on at PNP Games these days? Oh, yeah. So we got three stores in Winnipeg, 915 McLeod, 2609 Portage, 160 Meadowood. We have a web store, pnpgamesonline.com, which is great for days like today where you can just sit in your pajamas, order something, and have it delivered to you. Uh, but we have, coinciding with the release of the Mario Brothers movie, Mario and Friends promo, April 6th to the 12th for $54.99, regular price $79.99. You can get the following Switch games, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, Luigi's Mansion 3, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury or Yoshi's Crafted World. And, of course, we have all manner of Mario games going back, uh, you know, to the retro stuff, to contemporary. We have merch. We're ready for this Mario movie. So enjoy. Lee Squark, you enjoy as well, sir. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. We love your passion for video games. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you so much. Everybody drive safe. I'm going to yell at the kids to fire me up some old Mario right now. Like, can I... (laughs) I feel like I can get that, right? It must be available somewhere on some system. Well, you know what, Lee? Any chance you still have old, like, Nintendos in your, in your stores? We do. So there's, there's a number of different ways to, to tackle the old games now. The Nintendo Switch itself has an online service that allows you to subscribe. Mm-hmm. You get access to those games, kind of like a Netflix. Otherwise, yes, we do carry 
the NES uh, Mario games and consoles to play them. So check us out. But I could put the original on the Switch, potentially. Uh, it's on there. It's on the online service. Check it out. <laughs> All right. Lee Squark joining us from PNP Games in Winnipeg. I still have a functioning Nintendo that I actually got. Of course got you do. From, you just I, said you had a cell phone from like 1995 still in your <laughs> closet. So you're, I'm starting to be concerned about hey, what, what might be. I got I it from PNP Games. No, I should be making fun of you for all the things that's in your apartment garage versus Greg. I do hoard quite a bit. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of a problem.